Hello, racing fans. Welcome to a Mohawk show. First over with Edison Hatter after uh, Mike Proposi's had it the last couple of weeks. But hey, Mike is here as a co-host again this week. So, uh, Mike, thanks for filling in the last couple can't of weeks. get rid of me. I'm here uh, no matter what. Either I'm here, you're here, or we're both here. Well, we're both here this week, and it's a super high-five mandatory payout up at Wood by Mohawk. So we'll bring in one of the uh, local experts up there as well. How about Garnett Barnesdale joining us as well? Hey, Mike had a great intro when you were gone, too. He kept it, he said, the, fir- the first over podcast without Edison Hatter, who we must congratulate on your Dan Patch Award, Breakthrough Award. You were, like I said, you were lower odds than Black Rumi at a two-mule uh, match race. Well, thank you very much, Garnett. Uh, for sure, I got to thank everyone that's gotten me to uh, the point where I am today. And, uh, you know, I guess I'm happy to follow in some good footsteps, I think, right? Uh, just gotten Donnell Makano in there, I guess, well, I guess Ray Cotolo's okay footsteps to follow, and uh, oh, I guess Gabe Pruitt's in there too. Uh, Emily Gaskin, a couple others as well. So uh, for sure, look forward to accepting that award in uh, February. And uh, thank you very much, Garnett. And uh, with that said, Garnett, uh, let's talk a little bit about those Dan Patch Awards. So last time we chatted, we weren't sure for sure where you or I were going to go with our votes. And since we do have votes, uh, we'll go on and talk about that real quick. So... Where did you end up going with those two-year-olds? Because there were some options there, and I had to think hard on those as well. For uh, Trotters, I went Volume 8, uh, Coulter Gelding. Special way, I, I don't think that one was any any uh, up for any kind of debate as the two-year-old Philly Trotter. The Pacer, I went with Stockade Sealster, um, mostly because of his, his win at, in the Metro Pace, I think. And I don't think there's any question Sylvia Hanover is going to be an overwhelming winner for two-year-old Philly Pacer. Well, we were pretty darn similar there, Garnett. Uh, Stockade Silster for me on the pacing side of Colts and Gelding. Sylvia Hanover on the Philly side. Special way, two-year-old Philly Trotter. I went oh well, though, two-year-old Colts and Gelding Trotter. Uh, Mike, I know you're not a member of us, but don't have a vote in here, but any thoughts on our selections for two-year-olds? I think they're fairly correct. I, I prefer oh well, but I could see volume eight easily, and that's splitting hairs there. Volume eight definitely has more a little bit of a recency bias, I think, with his last couple races. So uh, I, I don't have a problem with any of it, to be honest. Garnett, our three-year-old divisions. So uh, there were some open questions there, I guess, maybe uh, along the way. A couple of those divisions, maybe all of them, honestly. There's a couple candidates. So I don't know. Which ways did you go? Jeez, I might have went recency bias for every one of them. Um, I don't think he's going to win, but I voted for King of the North just because he was so dominant up here. Uh, Jiggy Jog S, I think, you know, that's a coin flip between her and Joviality. Um, Pebble Beach, I think, is, is a deserving winner. Uh, he won the North America Cup and the Breeders' Crown, right? And those are, you know, you could argue those are the two biggest races of the year for, for three-year-olds. And three-year-old Philly Pacer, that'll make Ray happy because I think we were talking about this on our, one of the shows, uh, Nikki Hill. Um, I went Cool Papa Bell, three-year-old Colton Gelding Trotter. Jiggy Jog, I did go that route, but you're right. I think coin flip there versus Joviality. You know, if you want to talk recency bias, I might be really dragged into it. I went Beach Glass. You know, it's a shame he wasn't able to race in the Breeders' Crown. I don't think he would have beaten Pebble Beach. was really good that night, but he won the Meadowlands pace, and then he looked really good in that Dover race, but I know he did get the pocket behind Pebble Beach that really fast split, but I went Beach Glass. And I went Treacherous Dragon for Philly Pacer. She did win the Breeders' Crown. I understand Nikki Hill obviously got that brutal trip in post-10 and was probably the best in that race. But, um, yeah, a couple of different disagreements there. Uh, Mike, where would you have gone? I would have probably went a few different directions. Uh, I preferred Rebuff, just, but that could have gone any 
any different way. He sort of went away towards the end of the year, so he's not going to win. Um, who else are we talking about? Nikki Hill, I think, was just had overall the most talent. So I, I, I could see an argument for Treacherous Dragon, uh, but I'm not sure that um, – you know, towards the end of the year, she just proved herself to be, she was sort of in and out, right? She started really, really well. And then she sort of came on late and in the middle of the summer, uh, she kind of tailed off there. So uh, she has possibilities also though. Uh, Again, another horse that I think you can have an argument for, for sure. Um, Glamour boys, Mike beach glass, Pebble beach. I prefer uh, Pebble beach for sure. I just feel like that, he won the biggest races and, and a lot of those races he won with authority. I just, I don't see how you can vote against him. Uh, he, he just stands out to me. And Jiggy Jug versus Joe Bialdi on the Philly trot side. Yeah. Jiggy Jug for me there. I, I just think that uh, those, those last few races and uh, just showed her superiority and she went with the boys all year. Also, it's not like that joviality had all those races against the boys and she, she danced some of those dances too. Uh, Joviality is a very, very nice horse, but I just feel like Jiggy Jog, towards the end of the season, proved herself the, the one. Well, Garnett, I might not want to say this too confidently, but I think I have the four older winners here, I think. Ecury D, Bella Bellini, Bulldog Hanover, Test of Faith. I'm not sure Raja won IT can't win. I know at least three people that are voting for him, including myself. I think he was the best horse. Um uh, he, he easily handled his stable mate Eckery D twice. And, um, you know, I stick by, I stick by my statement that I made several times. That's he's one of the, he's might be the best trotter I've seen in the last 10 years. So that's why I voted for him. Yeah. I, I you know, I see the case there. I just wish we could have gotten a couple more starts on him, of course, before the injury, but, uh, the other three straightforward there, Garnett, Bella, Bulldog, Test of Faith. Absolutely. Mike thoughts. All very, I think pretty much slam dunks as far as I'm concerned. There's, I don't have any argument really with, with any of the, of the picks that you made there. So. Well, Garnett, I'm pretty confident we can say very confidently ourselves. And well, I don't know. I guess we saw one person vote against Bulldog for the last top 10 poll. So maybe there'll be an exception or two, but Bulldog Pacer of the year, pretty confident in that Bulldog Horse of the year, pretty confident in that Trotter of the year, Garnett. I went Bella Bellini. I think that's the eventual winner, but what do you think? Yeah, same same with all of them, and um, I don't know. You, you got to wonder what anyone's thinking that uh, that doesn't vote Bulldog Horse of the Year. However, I will say, just because you're voting in the top ten doesn't mean you have a vote here. That they're not. Uh, it's not a requirement to be a member of Ushua to be included in um, in that top ten poll, right? So, hopefully, inner heads will prevail, and he'll be a unanimous winner because that's what should happen, right? Absolutely, uh, Garnett. And uh, really quickly, while we're on it, if I pull up the right page here, we had some human awards too. So um, I guess proximity, Garnett, just curious to get your thoughts. There were some discussions, some questions over whether Bulldog Hanover, being a horse, of course, should be on the proximity award or whether it should be humans. But this has, of course, been announced already and Bulldog did win. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't know to the full extent of what the... Uh... What the criteria is. I will say I voted for Bob Boney. I think uh, he would have been a deserving winner. Uh, and not because it was horse versus human, just because of what he's what he's done for the sport and what he's accomplished. But uh, obviously, Bulldog's the winner. And if that's the way the voters see it, then I, I guess that's the way it's got to go. 
Yeah, I went Bulldog here, but for sure I can understand the argument over human or horse, obviously. He is the third horse, though, it should be noted, to uh, win the Proximity Award. Um, and then when it came to owner, it was Brad Grant who won owner of the year. In fact, he kind of uh, was able to double dip. It was Jack Darling and Brad Grant, as well as Brad Grant, on the uh, voting list there, Garnett. So we actually had two uh, listed entries. <laughs> yeah, I, I voted. I just went Grant only. Um, you know, Jack. Bas- Jack's basically only really good horse was Bulldog, so I think... There's a reason to split hairs there, maybe. Um, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't have argued if it went that way either. I, I could see it. Jim Campbell, trainer of the year. Uh, I, I actually voted for both, to be fair. I, I went Jack Darling, Brad Grant. Uh, trainer, I voted for Jim Campbell, who was announced as a winner. And driver, I voted for Dexter Dunn, who was also announced as a winner. Same and same. Jim won the uh, Hamiltonian Oaks and the Hamiltonian on the same day with non-favorites. So what are you going to do? Give the, guy the, give the guy the trophy. Mike, you have any disagreements with those four? No, that's not the only really races that Jim won, though, this year, too. I mean, he's very consistent, no, very solid, no. very much at the top level of the game. So to have that sort of day on the, the biggest day uh, probably tipped him over the top. Right. You really can't argue. And he's – I mean, I, I think some of these human awards, too, it, it's not it, – you hate to say it, but, I mean, he's a great guy. I mean, he's there is nobody that has anything bad to say about that guy. So that that makes a difference whenever people are voting for you and 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 things like that. He he really I think that he uh, he plays the part as that top trainer, but he plays the the part as a, like a top man and a top guy that is approachable and is is very very deserving to 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 have that accolade. So I I think that that's um, you know and, and Brad Grant obviously he he's got a ton of horses and they're all very good uh, racing at the top level. I, I mean, how can you argue with those? And, and they had the best horse. So that, that's you know, not much to say. There's, there's sometimes that there's years where you, you, you're not sure, but I think this year everybody kind of knows. For sure. Absolutely. Um, so continuing with some of these human awards here, uh, Garnett, uh, for Breakthrough Rising Star. You voted rising, for some guy named Hatter. Do you know Rising him? Star went Lucas Wall. And you know, I have <laughs> never. Those breakthroughs, sorry. Ever since the beginning of time, believed in voting for myself, so my vote went to Nathan Bain. Actually, believe it or not. Well, you know what? He might win next year. He's uh, it, it's a, it's a matter of it's kind of like whose turn is it, right? In, in a lot it's... of in a lot of cases, and you've uh, accomplished a lot more than him. But he's a good guy. He's, in the right, he's a breakthrough artist in his own right. So, if you were yeah. running for president, Ed, you wouldn't vote for yourself. I mean, I ran for public office, ran for board of education in my own home county against an incumbent president when I was a high school senior. Did not vote for myself, and well, uh, I don't know. understand if you can't vote for you. Why, if you don't believe in yourself enough to vote for yourself, then like, why you want someone else to vote for you? Imagine if you lost by one vote. Oh my god! You know what? It's funny. I did. I did actually believe it. I was in middle school on, on a uh, election, and I don't think anyone actually believed me when I said that I, I voted for my opponent and lost like thirteen to twelve. But I really did. So I don't know. I just always felt that way in election. So anyway, I got that math degree now. All of a sudden. <laughs> Nathan Bain, though, uh, definitely a great job announcing up there at Lemmings this year. And Jessica Howlett as well. Enjoy seeing her photography online. So I'm sure both of them will end up on the ballot for Breakthrough again in the future. And, uh, yeah, Lucas Wallen, you know, uh, Hunter Myers thing was on the list too. I considered there for a while. I know he's won a lot of races. But, you know, Wallen really had a breakthrough year when it came to top stars, obviously with Rebuff, as uh, Mike said earlier, you know, and some of his bigger stars like Maynon and, and a couple other Sire Stakes winners. So, um, good guy, Jack Darling for me, Garnett, unsung hero, Mike Wupkenberg, and I believe they've both been announced as winners already as well. Yep, I went Jack, and uh, same, same and same. And the last three we have, the Breeder, Hanover Sioux Farms, who's been announced the winner, 
trotting broodmare hot mess hanover who i went with as that is jiggy jogs uh broodmare and i believe that the other top choice was uh, joviality so i feel like that was kind of your choice there with those two pacing broodmare bj squall who may not have had a spectacular career as a broodmare so far but uh, that 16th fold this year by the name of uh, bulldog hanover i think got her that spot Yes, uh, I was almost the same as you. I went for Pasatia, Pasatia Face S for Trotting Broodmare. But that I, was a nice horse. Yeah, she was. A, I remember her, how nice she was when she raced. But, um, I mean, they're not going to be unanimous, the awards. You're, you probably got it right. Well, let's uh, look there at those uh, damn patch awards that will be completed in February. We'll find out February 19th on a Sunday night uh, who the horse of the year is. I think we probably have a sneaking suspicion, but uh, we'll look forward to that result that night to find out for sure. But with that, we'll turn our attention to this Mohawk program. It is a Friday, November, December 23rd, 2022, 12-race program. And, of course, the big reason we're here is for the uh, late super – well, not the late, the only super high five, the last race of the night – and uh, Mike Garnett, I'm trying to find it here. Do we have the exact carryover mount? I know it's a lot, and it is frozen until that night, so we're waiting for it. Uh, we have an exact total. Something tells me like 236,000. I thought it was more than that, but you might be right. It might, be three, it might be 336. I'll find it for sure here while we're at it. But more importantly than that, Garnett, we'll pick your brain because you are the closer one up there than Mike Rye. What are we looking at weather-wise on Friday night? Because I know we're expecting some in Jersey, and I think it's going to be worse up your way, correct? Yeah, it's supposed to be cold. I'm not sure. I think they're calling for a little bit of snow. I I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly haven't looked that far ahead yet. Yeah, so it definitely could have possibly been off track. So that will be something, I think, to pay attention well, to throughout. What the- I read was maybe cold early, then it's going to warm way up and have a rain and then get cold again, like frigid. I, oh, I'm a little concerned. Okay, so we have some possibilities. We'll find out for sure. Um, so hopefully, first and foremost, hopefully the card's able to proceed as normal. And then besides that, uh, yeah, we'll find out, I guess, uh, what exactly the weather is bringing us as the night goes on and what bias that may produce. But uh, we'll go on and start with discussing the early pick five, races one through five. Uh, you two have handicapped a sequence with some tickets. I kind of devoted my time admittedly to the super high five. But uh, the early pick five starts in race one. We have Phillies and Mares, nine winners of 6,000 in the last five on the pace. And we have a field of eight here with a, a favorite coming from the six, Born a Dragon. Mike, uh, how many did you use here to start us off? I used four on no Born a Dragon for me. Uh, I, there are some horses coming out of that Better Be Donna race. Uh, that was kind of a perfect trip, Better Be Donna win. But none of the other ones really fired as, as well as they really could have. It was kind of her and everybody else there. I'm four deep. Uh, I can use Voluptuous. That's the two here. Uh, McNair's back on this horse. Uh, This horse has six wins. Was racing here prior to going to Ohio. Came back and I thought raced pretty well. Ended up on the front on December 9th and just couldn't quite finish it out. And then uh, I got a different driver, had the seven hole, really was not involved. I like the inside post. I think that she's back up close again. So I think she's a use. Uh, Casimir Swamp Girl, the four. She's won two out of the last three. She's racing well. Kind of tripped out to win at a big price there on December 9th. But she sort of just finds a way to be in races and finds a way to be live late. And I don't want to get beat by her. Uh, The five, Nightlife Sealster, I think probably, even though she had the drop to win, is capable at this level. Uh, Seven wins this year. McClure has driven her pretty well. And I feel like she beat a a sharp twin B tipster last time. I really liked that one in that race. And, this horse went by that horse pretty easily. 
And then the eight come roll with me a little bit tough to figure. Uh, wasn't beating Lockbridge though. That horse has been racing very well. Has won a couple in a row up here now. Uh, you get J Mac back. The horse has rallies and two straight starts. The barn's very hot. I was two, four, five, eight there. Uh, Garnett, how are you starting it off? I got to be honest. I find the first three races very tough. Um, but to start it off, I did go with Voluptuous on top. I said almost exactly the same things in my analysis that Mike said. Gets McNair in a race, and in a race that really doesn't have many that figure to leave, I don't think. I think she could potentially control the race from the outset. The other one I'm using is Bad Rosa. She gets away from the hot uh, rival Lockbridge tonight. I think she's going to leave quicker, too. Could potentially trip out. And the third one I use, number eight, Come Roll With Me. She was really rolling in deep stretch last time, but she's too far back. I think she could be capable... Uh, if, if she's closer at the three-quarter pole. The other thing I want to say is I give no horse any credit for beating Twin Beat Tipster. Mm-hmm. Over 336,000. That is the correct number for that. Yeah, was, I, I had it, kind of. My so second will, guess was right. So we'll say that again when we get closer to that uh, high five race discuss. but that is the number we're looking at. Race two, non-winners of 12,000 in the last five. On the pace, we have a field of A-tier. South Beach Hanover morning line favorite post two Bob McClure for trainer Sean Stacy Garnett do you use him or toss him? I picked him fourth and did not use him. I used Nautical Hanover first, uh, number one. I thought he was victimized by a slow pace last week. He paced his back half in fifty three and two and could be no better than sixth while doing that. Uh, I think he can get a better setup here, so I'm, I'm taking him on top, hoping to get a square price. I use Stonebridge, Stonebridge Rex, who also was kind of thwarted by a slow early pace. Gets McNair back. That's huge. These driver changes at this track might be bigger than any other track when McNair and McDonald especially move from horse to horse. So I think that's something you always got to consider in making these tickets out. And the third one I'm using is number five, Grand Puba. He's really razor sharp right now. I think he's in a shot. Uh, he's in with a shot in a race where he could get a good trip here racing near the front. So I went one, four, and five. Gar- or, uh, Mike, what about for you? Uh, no nautical hander for me, uh, just on the driver switch there. Uh, and he had been leaving and didn't really leave last time. So I, I found that to be, I'm, I'm not, I don't think, I don't think he leaves in this race. I do like South Beach Hanover because he got, he lost to a perfect trip. Woodmere steel deal who would be favored in this race. Uh, since he's been back, he's raced up front. I, I thought he was, he might've been a little short on December 10th and, and still found a way to gut it out, kicked 26 and three there and really had no business winning, but still found a way then stepped up a couple levels there to that numbers of 13,000. And, you know, Woodmere Steel do had been knocking against the top level horses and that horse was on his back the whole way around. He dug in late. I think that he's a must use in the race, especially since he's drawn inside again. I think it's either him or Stonebridge Rex. Uh, McNair wasn't there last Saturday, and McDonald McDonald drove this horse, but you know McNair tends to drive all Grant's horses, and he's back on this horse. I feel like that he ends up in the pocket here, and it's going to be those two to the wire. His problem is he just doesn't win all that much. He's four for thir- forty one this year, or three for forty one this year, three for twenty last year. Uh, but he should get a trip. He's going to be in striking range, and Moreau's winning with everything. So I'm two four there. All right. Well, with that, we'll turn our attention next to the uh, third race. Phillies and Mares, a preferred two event. We have a field of A tier to Barn Dogs Watching. Has taken a lot of money in the last couple, has won three in a row, including two preferred twos. Disappointed last time out with a third. Garnett, do we go back to her this week? I don't. I used her, but um, this is a really, this race is going to come down to trip. These horses are so close. I mean, they were 
was a blanket finish with a bunch of them last week. Um, I went to number eight on top, Need to Breathe. She was What I liked last week was she was really aggressive. Um, she, I was there live, and she looked like a winner until the 16th pole, and then she just started to tire suddenly. So um, I think you know she could potentially trip out and win at a price starting from the eight hole this time. The one volts delight got McDonald last week, and bang, right away broke her losing streak. So I think she's a threat right back. The two JKs rolling baby I thought raced well in defeat. But uh, Volt's Delight came off her cover and nailed her late. And I used Barn Dogs watching because she's always in the mix. So I went one, two, three, eight. And, and Mike's right about one thing uh, he mentioned earlier. Moreau really is winning with everything right now. Like it's it's almost, it's really hard to leave any any of his off a ticket, especially if they're going to be a price. Mike, what's your take on the Barn Dogs watching after last week? Well, I mean, she, she was fine. She just got beat uh, by a horse that got J-Mac and, was a little better than I anticipated. And that horse typically doesn't win from where she won from. And and I'm not sure that they were even racing her to win last week. She had only had one race in several weeks. They sat. Uh, This horse typically is involved in a lot of these races. And and here she came when, when the stretch hit and kind of kicked 27 and, and gunned them all down. Uh, She was very good in that race. She's impossible to leave off now with, with J Mac on. I agree on the two. I think that that horse is third back uh, in the right barn race proved that she belongs at this level as a three-year-old filly. So she's, she's fine for me there. And then the barn dogs watching only because when she gets her trip, she's probably going to win. Uh, you, you know, you see sometimes where like last week, she kind of got picked off late whenever they came up over the top of her. And, and that can possibly happen to her, but three straight wins at the level. Uh, she's been beating these horses and, I feel like she's going to get her trip again. She shouldn't, she'll be the one chasing, not the one being chased. Uh, that's probably better for her. So I was one, two, three. Mike, as we go to the fourth race, that's Phillies and Mares, five-year-old youngers. Now winners of one race or 7,000 lifetime on the pace. And I say the AE condition there because the three absolute euphoria, the morning line favorite. So she's in via that AE condition because she, the qualifiers might not have looked that great, but she, very late-blooming two-year-old here, looked pretty solid on debut, I thought, last week. Um, how do you like her in this spot, Mike? I think she's a must-use, but I, I watched that race, and she was never really activated until the very last minute, and all of a sudden, it was, it was almost like he, he didn't even have to shake her up, and she just came streaking down the middle of the track to overwhelm. Uh, I, I don't, you know, it's hard to win off those kind of trips. Does she, is she more involved now? Does she get stuck in the back of the field again? Because, yeah, her talent might be able to carry her, but it's very, very unlikely to do that all the time. So I'll use others. I thought JM Speakeasy raced well in that race, and she was favored there. Now, she had the nine hole, ended up floating early, making a quick move, and and then even when she got past, she wasn't getting beat for second in that race. She draws better now. She's definitely going to be a better price because the three is going to take all the money. Uh, the only other horse I used, and and this horse is definitely going to be a price and could be a separator in the pick five, and that's the eight, Rockadella, who has just one start. And you can see that the horse was qualifying in the summertime and really wasn't putting it together. So they come back here, qualified at Flamborough on December 10th, then didn't take a nickel of money for a barn that's capable of sending one out and raced pretty well against the horse that's actually in this race, All-Stars Finest, who has seven starts and two wins already, uh, had an outside post there. Now you get the big track. You have a horse that really you don't know what she is. I mean, she's only had one start and she raced well. She's interesting to me, especially if the three isn't quite the monster everybody thinks she is. So I was one, three, eight. 
Well, Garnett, what was your take on absolute euphoria going into this week? I can tell you what my take was on her last week. Nor- normally, the stable bets at almost every horse they race because they have over more than a thousand owners, including me. But that horse took some really funny money. Like they knew if there was a they knew, it was her. Um, not as much as the horse we're going to talk about in the twelfth race, <laughs> but they definitely knew. However, uh, I took the one on top. JM Speakeasy took all the money, even more than than absolute euphoria but that was more on the driver change right from Bert Renault to Louie and uh, she was just out way too long she didn't make the lead until about the three eights pole and uh, it's pretty hard to ask a horse a non- raising a non-winners of one to park out for five eighths of a mile and win so I'm just one three in here I think there's no there's no way you can not use absolute euphoria after what we saw but she's going to get over bet now and the one will probably be a bit of an overlay relative to their chances because I think the one has a much better chance starting from a better post this time. Well, Garnett, we'll go on and bring it home here with race five Pacers. It's a pop-up stars for a purse of 10,000 or less in one of their last four. Um, so with that in mind, Garnett, uh, first of all, field full field of 10 here and who do you use, but also just in general, where do you in your head put this on the class ladder relative to uh, the other con- more standard conditions here at Mohawk? Wow. It gets, it gets jumbled up in my head, to be honest. I mean... Especially when a lot of this field, by the way, it should be noted, is coming from the smaller tracks. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because you've got to look at each individual horse and find out how they fit, right? Um, some of them, some of them, and they'll do it on purpose, they'll, they might be racing in for purses of $16,000, dollars $22,000, and they'll... Uh, they'll shoot over to London and race in the preferred if it's got a or, or Flamborough or you know if if it's got a, a purse of nine thousand or or a condition race just so they can get into this race. So honestly, it depends on what kind of a field shows up. I think this one's decent. Um, there's only two horses I really like. I went with a single in my in my uh, ticket on DRF harness, so I'll stick with it here, but I'll also talk about the other one. Uh, Beach and Lindy I think comes into this race the seven in absolute peak form, having just one in London's top class. He looked good doing it. Um, he's a bit of a quirky horse at times, but right now he looks like he's going good. So he's the one I'm going to single. The only other one I considered was the 10 Alta engine. I think it just went too fast too early in last week's mile. And now he gets McDonald and you know, McDonald from the 10 hole will probably find him some kind of a trip. Uh, that being said on my actual ticket, I'm singling seven Peach and Lindy. Mike, how are you closing it out? I agree with Beach and Lindy. I think you have to make a decision on him here. You have to decide if you like him or you don't, because if you don't like him, it can be almost anything, right? I mean, there's there's just so many horses in here that are coming. It's, it's like he said, it's a mishmash of a bunch of different different classes. I mean, they write numbers of eighteen fifty last three for ten thousand. They might write a numbers of three thousand for for ten thousand some weeks, and then you get the horses coming from the B tracks who are racing at top levels there, but those horses aren't really as sa- the same as the top horses here. Uh, I think Beach and Lindy likes this racetrack. Look, got a driver switch last time, was 1-9 to nine in the preferred at London. Now, ob- obviously had the rail, but this horse is very capable of winning at this track. Has a 51-2 and two mark here, has a massive kick whenever he's right. And, and right now, he's very good. I think that it's, I would be all in on him too. Uh, there's if, if you don't like him, you know, maybe fixed idea it has a yeah. chance. Uh, that that horse got a very interesting trip and did get bet in that race on December nineteenth. Uh, that that was that Harry G race where he came and swooped him. 
this horse hasn't done much in the last couple of years, but I mean, that was probably his best race in a while. Even a horse like Hunter Hill has a chance a drawing inside uh, is capable. We saw in the last time we had a high five carryover, he kind of came down the middle. What was he 70 or 80 to one in that race and ended up winning. So he's capable of big miles at big prices. Uh, I'll key the seven, but if you're short elsewhere and you want to take a shot in this race, especially for, you know, like on a 20 cent ticket or something, I, I couldn't blame you for spreading out. Yeah, it's funny. I mentioned, uh, I picked sixth idea third, and I mentioned almost the same things you said. I said he took some curious action last week, then made a wide bid for the lead around the last turn. And the last thing you have to say with a horse like this, because I've seen some some weird stuff with him, is tab the tote board for clues. If he's... Mm-hmm. If he's four or five to one or seven to two through the whole betting period, man, somebody likes him and they they think he's a go. So, yeah, uh, he's worth a saver for sure. Especially, yeah. Well, with that, we'll uh, give out some pick five tickets here before we turn on to our main attraction. So, Mike, your pick five. Uh, it's fourteen forty for twenty cents. It's two four five eight with two four with one two three with one three eight with seven. Garnett. Also fourteen forty for twenty cents. Two three eight with one four five, with one two three eight with one three, with seven. Although I may double that and add the ten on when I actually make a bet. But I like to keep the tickets small on the DRF site. So, Mike, I'm not sure if something we've ever discussed on here before, but when it comes to bankroll management, especially on a night like this, what is your strategy? Do you you play the pick five like this, and then if you hit that, you might invest more money into the super i five, or you just kind of go into the night dictating? Here's what I want set aside for the Super I-5, and here's what I'm going to bet on everything else that night. Well, I'm definitely going to save myself a little money to bet into that pool because I know that I want to be in there, and they make it the last race. Usually it's midnight. Uh, you could be long broke by then if you're not going to set aside a little, at least a little bit of money to play your main ticket. Now, if I'm up, say I'm up 500 yeah, I'm very willing to, to toss an, uh, an extra couple tickets into that high five because – I'm uh, I'm ahead. I have their money, and I'm I'm betting into a positive EV pool or very close to one, depending on what the handle is. So yeah, I want to use some bullets in that pool for sure. But I'm definitely saving a few, no matter what. Garnett, what's your philosophy? Similar. Um, I uh, I'll probably just advance my tickets to be honest. Uh, maybe partway through the card after I see all the racetracks playing, but. Um, definitely want to be in that pool like mike said it's probably there's a possibility there could be zero takeout or very close to it and um you know you gotta thinking long-term strategy and ever having a chance to make money long term you gotta be in these pools man you you gotta be because the, the rake the rake is just too against you to to not um take shots at at making extra money when you can Yep, I'd agree with that philosophy as well. Um, I'll probably put in some tickets as well, like you mentioned, Garnett, probably earlier on. And obviously, if it's been a good night, not only just a Mohawk, but whatever I'm betting on sports, whatever it is, might be an encouragement to add a couple extra dollars into that pool, obviously, with uh, being such a great betting opportunity, which is why we will turn to it now. So it will be race 12. Mike mentioned it is probably midnight or so on Friday evening before we turn the counter to Christmas Eve. So definitely want to um, make sure you're wide awake then for this 12-horse field. Five-year-olds and youngers, winners of two but not more than four races, are 45,000 lifetime. Pacers, first of 28,000. Mike, I said one of the important things, the carryover amounts over $336,000. One of the other important things we were discussing, and you have information for us on the trailers, post 11 and post 12. What do we believe the deal with them is? Well, I actually got a, the Mr. Ryan Willis, who is uh, 
one of our good friends on Twitter that's an excellent horse player, and he, he uh, sent us a little document here from the Standard Bread Canada website, and it says, new rule, and it says, in the event that there are two tiers of horses, uh, let's see, the scratching horse has, that has drawn or earned position in the front tier shall not affect the positions of the horses that have drawn or earned positions in the second tier, except as provided for in, in handicap claiming races. It says, whenever a horse is is drawn or scratched from any tier, horses on the outside move in to fill up the vacancy. When there is only one trailer, it may start from any position in the second tier. When there is more than one trailer, which is what we have on Friday night, because there are two trailers, the inside trailer shall follow either the horse in the one or the two position. The next trailer shall follow either the horse from the three or four position, and so on and so forth. So if there were three, they could go five, six seven, eight, things like that. Uh, so in the event there are more trailers and things, the judges can determine where the horses will line up. So if in this case, if the if the 11 horse wants to go behind the two, they can do that, which that might not be such a bad idea, being that the one doesn't have much gate speed. So that may be something important to note. And um, well, Mike, I guess now one thing here is a gambler. My question is, when am I going to be able to find out what they selections, what posts they have selected? Oh, I would imagine you'll find out whenever they're starting to roll behind the gate. I mean, they line up. So it may be time to uh, not like be pretty declare. quick in the uh, pretty quick in the AEW if you want to base your decisions off that. DM Bob McClure on Twitter and ask. <laughs> he might tell you. Uh, you know what? It's funny. You know, I, I guess that'd be a good recommendation up there. Um, I've never thought about before. We rarely, you know, even on Super I-5s, you know, the Meadowlands, without obviously the jackpot, we rarely have the discussion of, you know, trailers like that on a big mandatory. But I would think that'd be a question we should ask, actually, yeah. on the simulcast show. If we can get an answer to it, I, I think it's valid information to have, right? They I, have one, to... I have one yeah. problem with this rule. If the if the 11 horse picks the two hole, the 12 horse should have the option of picking the one hole. Yeah, it doesn't say that in the rule, though. I don't think you can, because then people is going to get confusing for betters. Why is the twelve there in the right? Right. But yeah, it's valid. Theory, valid theory, point. He should. Yeah, valid point. Um, but anyway, so twelve horse field here. So Garnett, I'll turn to you next. Just as we start to dissect our way through this field. Speaking of those trailers, they're the favorite and the second favorite on the morning line. Do you see that by post time by any chance? Absolutely not. I, I can't <laughs> see it. Um, mostly because they're in the second tier. Also, you know, Mike alluded to the fact that we were talking offline. Um, you know, the 12 horse, you're the one had a perfect trip to win last week and he won by an inch. So uh, what kind of a trip can you get from the 12 hole to win this race? I don't know. And uh, even the boss said like, they're not real standouts. Like the boss said it was covered up the whole way last time and came flying, but to finish, you know, behind you're the one, but um, if he has to do any actual work, can he win the race? No, there's no, there's no chance these horses will be favored, I don't think. Mike, um, as we start to work our way through handicapping this, so first things first, I will mention that I do have some thoughts of my own to offer on tickets here, and I've also been able to solicit some thoughts from uh, Derek Givner, Murray Slough, and John Rallis. So we'll give a lot of interesting thoughts out here. And actually, you know what? I got the Horse Players Journal or two, so we'll even throw some Robert Reed Jr. thoughts out there as well. But, Mike, let's start with you. Walk us through it. How do you approach the ticket, and what did you come up with? So I think that there's a couple – this is a tough race. This is one of the better races you'll see uh, for one of these high fives because these horses are are decent. They've been sort of knocking heads against each other, and uh, there's a potential for chaos. 
I do feel like that there are a couple horses that have chances to win. One that's eight to one morning line, and that's the the six Emmett's buddy. Who, if you watch that race on on December seventeenth, uh, he was very very live in the stretch and really had nowhere to go. And especially if you watch the head on, he really had no room until very late. Uh, he was almost basically going into the infield and, and knocking over pylons because he lacked room. He really wanted to go forward. And then after the race was over, he finally got through. He was five lengths ahead of everybody else. Three seconds after the race was over, it seems. So I know he's eight to one morning line. He's not going to be that this time. Uh, he won that numbers of two race on December 10th pretty well. I feel like he's starting to get better. He's starting to put it all together. I mean, th- this horse is, is, I think, can, can leave a little bit follow cover. He's going to be live in the stretch. Uh, the other horse I think that has a chance to win as a horse that's very hit and miss, and that's the two Acapulco sunburn. If you look back in November, he won two straight and those were dominant wins versus these kind of horses. Uh, they were nights that, that even if it was windy, he was still finding a way. And and then just as soon as he, he was looking like he was going to crush again uh, on December the 3rd, where he was four to five, he sort of goes off form and, and you know, he, instead of going forward in the stretch, he goes backward. And then last week he's first up against these horses and kind of as, as, as the three to one shot in here. And, and he kind of first up and just was even in the stretch. And, and a lot of them were passing them. He's inside. He gets off the rail. J max sticks. The horse has proven capable at this level whenever he's on his game. Now his last two races, not so great, but he was on the rail both times I think that he has a chance to be better. He, ha- he definitely has a chance to get a better trip. So I would use those two on top. That's where I would try to concentrate my tickets. I need one of those two horses to win the race. As far as who's going to be second, third, fourth, your guess is as you know, good as mine. As far as the order, I think there's some horses you need to use. Pettipoo seems to be in 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 the mix every week. So he, he would be a use for me. The seven, Party in the Shadows, steps up, has raced just fair races whenever the horse races at this level. But last week this on December 17th, he was live heading into the stretch. I mean, they went fast in front of him. And then when he got to the top of the stretch, he kind of went sideways wide, wide and, and sort of kind of got off stride. He, he didn't put a break in, but he just, he, he wasn't going forward anymore. It took him a while. He gathered himself, ended up rallying back to be third he looked a winner at the top of the stretch to me. Now I did have him. I'm a little biased, but I feel like he's capable of filling in underneath slots. The eight midnight mood somehow had a huge form reversal on Monday to win an acclaimer. Well, he gets claimed by Osiello. First time Osiello steps his horse up, protects it. I think I'll use that one. And then the 11, the boss said, uh, this horse was a blur in the stretch after really not doing any work whatsoever. I'm hoping that he ends up following the two to get a better spot early. I would expect him to be a little further, a little forward off the gate. He kicks 27 his last two weeks. That for me says with any kind of trip, he's got to be in the top five. So I'll use that one. So two, six on top, a combination of the two, four, six, seven, eight, and 11 and the underneath spots. And that is a $48 ticket for you, Mike. For you, Garnett, you're going to give our listeners out there two separate looks of tickets. You're going to total $128. And that is the top spender, by the way. Murray's right behind you at 115. But how do you play it? Well, I spend more than Murray Slaw. That's that's amazing. Um, Slaw. <laughs> well, I, I'm using a horse as a key that Mike didn't even mention. Um, the five Howies man last week 
uh, got James McDonald in the bike, which I, I guess was a tell that they were going. Showed a race uh, at Mohawk where he came in from Rito Carlton, where he was just racing kind of average, where he was 10th beating 22 and a half lengths. Showed nothing on October on December 10th. Um, last week, opened up at even money, took money the entire way through. Like everybody knew this horse was ready to fly, except for me, who didn't believe any of it. And uh, he went to the front, cut a 55 and two half, won in 152 by two and three quarter lengths. He could have won by nine and three quarters if you if you were actually sitting there watching the stretch drive in front of you at the track. Now, McDonald sticks with the two because, of course, McDonald sticks with the two. Why? Because the horse is owned by Miller Farms and trained by Nick Gallucci. So unless this uh, Howie's man was Niatros, which he isn't, of course, James McDonald is sticking with Acapulco Sunburn. It's a, it, He'd be crazy not to if he wants to, you know, does he want to lose uh, – all the best stakes horses next year? No, he doesn't. So Howie's man for me, um, last summer has two marks of 150 and two at Mohawk. In one, in the second one, he actually beat Acapulco Sunburn when Acapulco Sunburn was, I think, three to five. Um, to me, this is the key horse in the race after what I saw last week. So I'm keying him for first and second. I like some of the horses Mike mentioned uh, underneath. I like... Um, I like Pepe too. I thought he was really game last last week when he finished third. Emmett's buddy, I bet last week. I saw all the same stuff Mike did. Um, I don't know that he was going to win the race, but if he had room, he would have been much closer. And uh, you know, I, I used uh, twelve. You know, I used twelve. You're the one. I think he can close for a share. And I and I agree with Mike. Acapulco Sunberg can get a much better trip here. He's been first up two races in a row, and that didn't work. So the leading driver in Canada and probably the hottest driver in North America is not going to have him first up three races in a row when it didn't work twice. Uh, it only makes sense, right? So he could win the race. So my tickets are fairly lengthy with Howie's man keyed five with two, four, six, 12 for second, uh, two, three, four, six, 12 control the power. I threw him in. He gets McNair back draws better. Two, three, four, six, 11, 12 with two, three, four, six, seven, eight, 11, 12. That's $64. I'm not going to read it out again because the second ticket just puts the 2, 4, 6, and 12 on top with the 5 second and everything else the same. But for me, the key to the race is Howie's man. If he doesn't show up, I can't win. So two total tickets for you, Garnett. Howie's man has to be first or second in both those tickets for $128. Uh, without needing to discuss the handicappings quite so much anymore because you two covered that one, I will consensus on the 5 and the 6 on top, which as you will see, that's a pretty big theme of all our tickets here is somehow 5 or 6 involved in the top slot. A uh, 2, 5, 6, 11, 12 for me underneath. 2, 5, 6, 11, 12 for me in the third spot, which, yes, means I'm using both those seconds, your horses, second and third, maybe a bit of a dangerous selection. But uh, that's better information now. Now that I know the 11 can follow the 2, which hopefully he does, not the 1. So hopefully that's the way he goes. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 11, 12 in the fourth spot. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 11, 12 in the last spot. $96 for my ticket. And we have some other ticket suggestions as well. And, in fact, they all three include a single on top of their tickets. For Derek Givner, or the editor, of course, DRF Harness, that's joined us plenty this season, has five over 210, over 246, 10, 11, 12, over 246, 7, 8, 9, 8, 10, 11, 12, over 234, 6, 7, 8, 10, 11, 12 for $72. There is a way to listen to these podcasts on half speeds. If you're trying to scribble down some numbers, that's probably the way to go. Eric loves using, loves using 10 horses in these 12-horse fields, which in most cases, they, they have virtually no shot. Murray Slough makes it a little easier on all of us listening and uh, speaking here. Six on top. He will single the eight-to-one shot on top on the morning line. Three and five in the second spot. 
2, 3, 5, 11, 12 in the third spot, and he'll go all-all. So he's made of the trifecta ticket. He'll use all-in-all in, all in the fourth That's a Murray ticket. $115.20. And for John Rallis, he will also single the six. Emmett's buddy, 8 to 1 in the morning line on top. So it's a six with 2, 5, with 2, 3, 4, 5, 10, 11, 12 for John Rallis. And he'll repeat those numbers in the last two spots. That's a $48 ticket like Mike's. So... There are some handicapping suggestions. Again, $336,000 in carryover money awaits in the Super High Five on Friday night at Wood by Mohawk. Race 12, final race of the card, a 20-cent base wager, massive carryover, going to be a massive pool, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing what that final pool total reaches, and hopefully we've given out some winning tickets, and hopefully you can construct one of your own. So with that, we... uh, just about wrap up this episode. We got two shows left here in 2022. We've got a Meadowland show for New Year's Eve, December 31st, and a Mohawk show for New Year's Eve, December 31st. And then we will be rumbling our way into 2023. But as we wrap up this show, Mike Garnett, I'll ask both of you again. Mike, we'll start with you. Um, just any last impressions on this card? Last things you'd offer betters listening out there before they take a tackle at this Super High Five Friday night? Well, for one, I really hope that they go because there is danger of them not going. Uh, and then I really have no clue what they'll do as far as the carryover. Maybe it'll end up on New Year's Eve. Uh, if they do go, wind could be a factor. Definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, keep an eye on the the track condition. Uh, you know, look, if it's wet early and and uh, it fr- it, the track freezes and things like that, maybe speed is good that night. Maybe speed does nothing depending on how the wind is. So yeah, I think you have to pay attention to how the track is and. And what styles and and what sort of horses are winning? Uh, this is a long a long night. It takes a while to get to the twelfth race. Save yourself some bullets. Y- you want to be in this pool, so uh, that's that's something that I would do. It's a Friday night. It's the holidays. Uh, I always say, get somebody else involved. You know, have some fun with it. Enjoy. You know, I, I think it'll be fun. I'll be up watching and um, enjoy that. Go to nahupicks.com for picks. Go uh, to, you know, follow Garnett, Robert Reed, all those guys. Get some ideas, but then figure out what you like and and make your tickets. Take some shots. Garnett, before I turn to you for your final thoughts, that's right. I forgot to read Robert Reed Jr.'s thoughts in the Horse Players Journal. So he, much like um, uh, Derek Gibber, gives some love to the 10. How about Stone Carver as his top selection in the race? He does use Acapulco Sunburn underneath, including the 12. You're the one as well. The three, Control the Power, and the five, Howie's Man. So he takes a stand against the uh, six and the 11, maybe two of the favored ones that we discussed in here. But uh, the 10 for him on top could be a pretty bold strategy there. Post 10 on top in a Super I-5 race. Uh, Garnett, your final thoughts on the evening. I, I You know, if, the ten, if that 10 horse drew the middle of the gate, he would be one of my main horses. Like I can't like him from the 10 hole. But, yeah, all the stuff Mike said. And the other, the one thing you might want to add is which drivers are, are doing particularly well that night. Um, some guys might be thinking about the holidays. Maybe they're not as focused as others. I don't know, but uh, it, this kind of, this track kind of you know drivers get hot and they're they're in the they're in there every race. Some nights uh, McDonald McNair. Some nights Fillion. He won five uh, not that long ago. Mostly most of them were Moreau horses. Um, keep an eye on that. You know which which trainers running hot and cold. Like Mike said, Moreau's been winning with almost everything recently, and I mean that you know that doesn't usually hold for a long period of time. So. Those kind of things, you want to ride them while they're hot, and then once he starts to go cold, maybe uh, go against them and, and and get some overlays the other way. But um, I'll throw another horse out there just to, for the last minute here. 
Number seven, I really like the five Jet Rock coming out of the toughest races. He only sneaks into the condition, the pop-up starter condition, uh, starters for a purse of 10000 or less in the last four because he raced for 8500 once in his last four. And I really like the driver, Tyler Jones. Um, I think he's going to get an aggressive steer from him. That guy, I think, is is one of the up-and-coming drivers on this circuit. I think if he gets some good stock, um, he's going to be one of the top guys in the next two or three years. I think he just needs good horses to drive because he's got all the instincts. He knows when to go. He knows when to sit. I really like what he's doing. There we go. A little bonus pick from uh, the Garnett Barnesville. Maybe that's an opportunity to add a little bit to that bankroll before the Super I-5 wager on the Friday night. Um, well, that racing fans, that'll wrap up this episode of First Over the Edison Hatter. Again, check out next week. We'll have two last episodes in 2022, the Meadowlands and the Mohawk for the Christmas Eve racing. And uh, as always, I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in this year. We hope to see you again next week. And uh, we will wish a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, Happy Boxing Day to everyone that celebrates. And again, we'll talk to you here next week on First Over with Edison Hatter.